0: got here but we we got to uh, have a part in that more more than that we get to have the privilege of having of getting to call him one of our own we've got to see him most importantly mary chelsea <laughs> then we saw them called into the ministry and god's been using them in marvelous ways mm. and we are so grateful to have him here tonight would you welcome jeremy davis thank you, thank you. It is a privilege and an honor to get to be here. Um, he failed to mention the most important thing. I was saved in this church um, in 2012, sitting right down here. Um, and Steve Elkins was actually with me uh, and, and Chelsea on one side when, when I got saved. And uh, I wish I could remember what Steve said. I don't have any idea what, what uh, encouraging things he was saying to me at the time. Uh, I was a little focused in the moment. Um, but I was saved in this church, so it's, it's a great opportunity to be here. If you will open up your Bibles to the book of Psalms, we're going to be in Psalms 107 this evening, uh, and I apologize if I say this morning, I'm used to saying this morning when I'm preaching and teaching, uh, so if I say this morning, just keep going, uh, ignore it. I'm going to try my best to uh, make it through my content in a timely manner, because here in about uh, 20 minutes, uh, maybe 30 minutes, uh, it's going to look like, you know, there's some, some Pentecostal brethren here, but in reality, they just smell turkey, and uh, people are, are getting excited, but we're going to be in Psalm 107. If you would stand as we read God's Word this evening. Psalm 107, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered, uh, and gathered in from the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus and Lord this evening. I pray that uh, we hear your word tonight, that we hear what you would have to teach us and what you would have to say to us through your scriptures, Lord. God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open uh, and ready to learn and ready to grow. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit be working in this place, removing the veil, uh, and working on on, on the hearts of the people in this room, Lord. God, we love you so much. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Steadfast love endures forever. That is a classic Thanksgiving verse. You can go over to Mardell right now. And you can get it etched into a, a coffee mug or get it on a t-shirt or whatever, whatever you want. This is classic. And then it, then it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But so often we stop right there. We will talk about what comes after this passage. Because actually what, what happens after this is this is not a, like a lovey-dovey, like, oh, all is good in the world kind of passage. It's actually a really hard passage. And, and what I want you to understand without going into a lot of detail is that uh, this is an oral account of what actually happened to the Israelite people, and it's tied in with, with the two chapters previous to it. Uh, there, this, is, this is an actual historical event. This isn't just a, a fable or, or some clever words put together or some, some old ancient text. These, this is actual historical documentation, and, and the book of Psalms is poetic in nature because people were singing and reciting the things that had happened in their history, so that's why it comes out the way it does. But, but this, this is stuff that we can bank on. And so when, when it says that his steadfast love endures forever, well, it's going to tell us why it endures forever. It's because we have a historical account that he's about to give us in this. So this evening, we're going to, we're going to look at four groups of people. And I think that all of us will be able to identify with one of these four groups of people uh, in this passage and, and I, I hope that uh, you'll will, you will stay with me and, and read along, along as we go. So starting in, in uh, we're going to jump down to verse 4 of Psalm 107. It says, Some wandered in des- desert wa- uh, wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. They were hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. So the first group of people that are mentioned here are a group of people who are lost. Now, I'm going to take a wild guess here, and I'm going I'm to guess that nobody at least not very many of us, have wandered aimlessly in a desert. Any hands? Yeah. So, so you, haven't been, you haven't been in a desert wandering aimlessly without a home, without food, without water. However, he, he is talking about in a spiritual sense. Because you see in the second half of verse 5, it says, it says their souls fainted with them. So more than being physically hungry, more than being physically tired, more than being physically lost, which they were, They're spiritually hungry. They're spiritually thirsty. They're spiritually lost. So what do they do? They cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he does this. He delivered them from their distress. And that's an important phrase, because we're going to see that repeated four times in this passage. He led them by a straight way until they reached a city to dwell in. Have you ever felt lost? I think at some point in time, we've all felt lost, whether whether we know Christ or whether we don't know Christ. At some point in our lives, we've felt lost. I can remember getting married. So I got married in this building. Um, And at the time, I thought I was saved. I was not saved. Uh, I was putting on a good show. I was faking most people, including myself. And and so I get saved here. Uh, Chelsea and I get in a little apartment in Bethany, and something becomes very obvious to me. We are living completely different lives. You know that, that beautiful newlywed stage where everybody comes together and it's, oh man, it's so beautiful and all that. Well, there's some really hard times in that newlywed phase also, where, where you've got two different people learning to live together. Well, it gets harder when you have one of those people who's a believer in Christ, one of those people who's faking being a believer in Christ, because it became very obvious that I was lost and she was not. And, and here, here's why it's because she had a straight path to follow. She had, she had some guiding principles in her life that came from the word of God that I did not have. And it wasn't until we got married and it was right there in front of me that I ever began to realize, wait a second, something, something's not adding up here. Something's not right here. Have you ever felt lost? So about, about six months later, uh, I, I come to realize just how lost I am. And so I I get saved right here in this building. Um, Praise God. Praise God. So uh, number two, jump down to verse 10 with me. It says that some set in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So now we have a group of people that they've heard the word of God, but they're rebelling against the word of God. They've heard it, they understood it, they get it, but they have disregarded it, I said, now I want to figure this out on my own. I want to live my own way. And now they're bearing the consequences of of their actions. They have lived outside of the word of God, outside the will of God, and now now they're bearing consequences for that. So so what happens here? Again, this group of people, they cry out in their trouble. In verse 13, they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And I, I want to point something out. In each of these, never... Does the group of people who are in distress or in trouble do, do they wait till they figured everything out? They don't. They don't wait until okay, I've got some things ironed out in my life. Now I'm going to call on on the Lord. And I think I think uh, for a lot of people in my generation, I, I can remember kids talking about it, people talking about it. One of these days I'll get to the church stuff. One of these days I'll get plugged in. One of these days I'll get my life right. One of these days I'll settle down and do whatever I need to do. I'll start serving the church or whatever. We don't always have tomorrow. And if there's anything that the last two years in our country has taught us, it's it's that our next five minutes is not guaranteed. We may not make it from this room down the hallway to get turkey. I know some of you are thinking, what? Am I going to get turkey? No, I'm I'm, I'm being serious. We may not make it down there. Something could happen between now and then. So don't, don't postpone Dealing with these things. Because that's what this group of people are doing. Now they're bearing the consequences of it. Let me ask, have you ever messed up? I know I have. And I'm going to guess that everybody in here at some point has messed up. (laughs) That's part of the consequences of living in the broken world that we live in. as if we're all messed up people. Living in a messed up world. In a messed up community. Look at our politics. It's messed up. Look at look at the social injustices that go on. It's all messed up. Look at all, all the arguing and the chaos. It's constantly happened. It's messed up. We're a messed- up people. And there's not one of us in this room who could say they've got it all figured out. That next line says that he delivered them from their distress. That's the second half of verse 13. What's interesting about this is that just because God removes you from distress does not mean that he re- removes you from a circumstance. Being in distress and being in a circumstance, those are, those are two different things. Now, a, a circumstance can cause you distress. However, you can be in that same circumstance with the right understanding of the circumstance and not be in distress. So I became a, a father while, while I was a member of this church. Ma- Maverick was born while we were here. And in in childbirth, uh, Chelsea was in labor for about 12 hours. We actually almost lost Maverick in in childbirth. And uh, we would have these periods where we're going in and out where he would be in distress when he would not be in distress, back and forth. But what's interesting is, is his situation never changed. He was still there. He still had just as much chance to live or die in that situation. Sometimes he was in distress, sometimes he was not. And the doctor's sitting there, okay, no, he's, he's good. He's not in distress. And then there'll be other times, yep, he's in distress. Not a whole lot of rhyme or reason to it. Now, now on the back end, we, we understand it. But I think as a people, we can be delivered from our distress without being delivered from a circumstance. Do we all have hard circumstances that we're living through? Have we all made mistakes in life and now we're bearing consequences of them? Perhaps you've got broken relationships or, or families that don't look the way they should. You've got issues in your workplace. You have financial problems. You can have those issues, and God can deliver you from the distress that accompanies them. Verse 17 says, Some were fools in their sinful ways, and because of their iniquity suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. So this third group of people, these these are people who are sick. And what's, what's interesting about this passage is it's actually tying in uh, uh, two things, sickness and sinfulness, and, and it's connecting these two things. Now, I want to be clear, just because you are diagnosed with cancer is not because you committed financial fraud when you were younger. Uh, and because you get COVID-19 is not because you're a bad person. That's, that's not the connection they're, they're, they're connecting here. That's, that's not what's going on. What's going on here is we live in a sinful, broken world, like I've said, and because of that, because of the sin that's in the world, we experience sickness. But, it, but it's not a one-for-one trade-off. So, so we, all, we all have these issues in, in life, and, and sickness is one of them. And these people are sick, and they call out to the Lord in the midst of their trouble. And what does he do? He delivers them from their distress. Verse 20, I love verse 20. If there's one thing you hear, verse 20, it's a good verse to hear tonight. If, if, if there's one thing you're going to hear. If you're, if you're going to perk up and listen, now's the time. He sent out his word and healed them. His word and healed them. John 1.1, 1, 1, what does it say? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God, and the word became flesh. He's talking about Jesus. And, and I love the way that this mimics what will come later in the, in the New Testament. That he sent his word and healed them, because we're talking about spiritual healing. For, for the Israelites, it's all physical stuff, right? But it translates to us in the New Testament, because we're New Testament believers, as spiritual healing. So he sends his word, he sends Jesus, and brings us healing. So we are spiritually sick. We have sinfulness in us. Jesus comes and saves us from it. How does he do that? Well, God, God he's good, he's perfect, and he creates everything, it's all good, and it's all perfect. And then Adam and Eve come along, and they mess it all up. Thanks a lot. <laughs> they mess it all up, and now we're, we're born sinners, right? Romans tells us that all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. So we're all messed up sinners because Adam and Eve brought sin into the world. Now, now we get weeds in the yard, and the car breaks down, and the kids don't want to do their homework, and all the bad stuff that goes on in life. All that stuff happens. And one of the hardest things we go through is sickness. It's one of the hardest things we face. Jesus comes from heaven to earth, humbles himself from being God over everything to a man. And he lives a perfect life. And he shows us the kind of life that we were supposed to be living one that was in perfect communion with the Father, one that is loving and kind at all times a perfect life without error, without blemish. And what does he do? He goes to the cross of Calvary and he dies for our sins. He takes the place of our punishment. Because one of, one of two things is going to happen. Uh, you're either going to bear your consequence yourself or Jesus is going to bear it for you. And in my What I'm presenting tonight, what I'm pleading with you tonight, is that is that you would go to Christ and let Him bear the consequence for you. He sent out His word and He healed them. Verse 25, Uh, no, verse 23. I'm sorry. It says some went down in the sea uh, to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord. His wondrous works in the deep. Verse 25. For he commanded and raised up the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their, in their evil plight. So they're talking about the people. Their courage melts away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits end. So you've got a group of people. And they are caught in the storm. They, they, are, they are in their boats. And, and the waves are going up they're going down. These people, they, they've completely lost uh, all courage. They're, they're reeling and they're staggering. They're at their wit's end. They don't know what else to do. Caught in the storm. I want you to ask yourself, have you been caught in the storm spiritually? Have you been caught in the storm just in life? Where you've got issues going on that are really, really hard to deal with? We, uh, we struggled for years to get pregnant with our second, and we, we saw some specialists about it and, and went through some treatments and, and w- walked through this really difficult path while, while we were in New York. And of course, we're, we're in New York, and, and Chelsea and I are, are very isolated from, from our family. I have family in Florida. She has family here. Our closest family member is 18 hours away. Uh, so so we're, we're kind of there by ourselves, walking through this really hard time in our life together. We were caught in the storm. And uh, Chelsea began to hang up passages of scripture around our home. To remind herself and to remind us who God is, and that he is good in every circumstance. And even in the midst of not understanding why are we going through this, God removed our distress. We didn't fret about it anymore. We came to peace about it. And we got to a point, we got so comfortable with this idea of, hey, we're, we're not going to be able to have more children. We've only got the one, and that's okay. I can remember when Chelsea called me at work and told me that she was pregnant uh, with our second. I didn't believe her. And then once she convinced me, I had, had to be peeled up off the ground. I just, I couldn't believe it. Uh, and then I actually struggled with it a little bit. I thought, what in the world is going on? I just, I've gotten good. We're, we're good here. We got one. That's all right. We just bought this tiny little bitty 800 square foot house in New York. And uh, it was perfect for three of us. Uh, suddenly we had a, four, or a second coming, a fourth, fourth uh, person coming into our house. If you will cry out to the Lord in the midst of your trouble, he will deliver you from your distress. And I think that is something that that both us as believers who know Christ, that is something that we need to remember. That is something that we need to take to heart. We need need to all anew remember that God is good even in the bad stuff. And if you don't know who Christ is, if you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm just going to ask you this evening, please do not leave this place without settling your salvation your eternity. Because here's the truth of the matter. As we go through life, there are going to be all these narratives that are spun about what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's bad. And, and everything that is out there in the world that is not found in God's word, it is, it is worth nothing. We're going to look everywhere. We're going to look on social media. We're going to follow uh, the media. What, we're going to ask old people. What, whatever it is, however you get your advice and your direction, all of that kind of stuff. That stuff will lead you astray every time. It may look good for a minute. It may seem like it worked for, for, for a little bit. But eventually it will catch up with you. And I'm, I'm pleading with you to get yourself right with Christ Jesus this evening. Do not leave this place. Somebody could drop dead from here to the turkey. I'm not kidding. And this may be your last opportunity to get yourself right with Jesus. I don't totally know what's getting ready to happen next. I know we're going to eat at some point. But I also understand that there, there are some counselors and there are some people that would love to talk to you this evening. That would love to help you get this set right. So if you're one of those people, whoever that may be, uh, I just want to invite you to be down here ready. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to be right down here ready. If you want to talk, if you just want to know a little bit more about who this Jesus is, please come, come and chat with me. I, uh, I'll leave you with one more story and, and, and one more thing. While we were in New York, I, I used to work for uh, this agency that uh, provided services for, for people with intellectual disabilities, uh, adults with intellectual disabilities. So these, these are grown people from 18 to, uh, however, to elderly uh, that, that they couldn't eat on their own. Uh, they couldn't, usually couldn't speak very well, couldn't communicate very well. Uh, you had to help them uh, toileting, changing, I mean, every bit of it. And it was hard work. And uh, eventually I started uh, working as an investigator. And in and, uh, these investigations, we would get these reports of abuse and neglect in, in these different group homes. Horrific stuff. There was a team of about six of us that, that would, every day, that's what we did. We looked at these different uh, allegations of abuse and neglect, hear these crazy stories. You have to go on site. We have to work with law enforcement, do all this. It was a tough job. And it's something I constantly, people would come back to me about, is how is it that you're able to stay so calm in this? how is it that you're able to hear this gruesome thing? This, this woman that has been taken advantage of, this, this person that has not been fed, these people that have not been bathed, what, whatever the issue was, a lot of times there was physical abuse, all kinds of stuff. And said, say, why, why is it that you're able to, to just be cool about all of this? What's wrong with you? I used to tell them I have a better perspective, perspective on this. I have a bigger perspective on this. I realize that no matter what's going on here, God is in control of this situation. And when when you see verse 25 it says, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted the waves of the sea. Nothing is outside of God's control. And when we can gain that perspective on the situation, our distress will be removed. When we can come to understand who Jesus is, and understand that, that God, our Father, has this situation under control. Jesus has already saved us. Whatever happens, it's all good. Our distress is gone, and we have a great hope in this life. We have an even greater hope in death. Amen? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we come before you again. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I just ask that you would continue to work in people's lives. Perhaps there are people here who have never given their life to you, who don't know who you are. Lord, I pray that you would stir them to want to know you now. Lord, uh, there may be some of us in this room that are faking it. There, there may be some people in this room who, who they've, they've presented themselves as a believer for a long time. Perhaps they're, they're embarrassed or nervous or afraid to say anything. But God, you know that's, that's, that's no excuse. Lord, I pray that you would give them boldness to get, get their soul right today. Lord, I know that there are some of us in this room who do know you, that are growing, who are genuine, and we're caught in the storm. We're going through, through hardship, and I pray that even in those moments that we would call out to you and that you would remove that distress from us, Lord, that you would give us the right perspective that we need on whatever situation it is. God, you are good, and your love does endure forever, and we have written testimony of that. Lord, we love you so much. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.